Welcome to the Moose Room, everybody. The OG3 is here, myself, Emily, and Dr. Bradley J. Hines. Today, we are continuing the trend of it all being about Bradley. So Emily's a little disappointed it's not back to the Emily show, but we need one more week of just Dr. Bradley J. Hines. Yay. (laughs) That's probably enough. I don't know how much more Emily can handle. I know. Well, I just don't know how much we can handle losing more listeners. Uh, I, that's a very good point. That's, that's a valid point. Yeah. Especially as we increase the total for jerseys every week. That's right. Um, uh, jersey right. is the correct answer. So add another one. And that's another one. Right. Yes. No. So, so anyways, I'll try to write the ship here since I'm the one who got us off track. You know, last week we, we talked about Bradley and all of the cool things he gets to do in conferences he gets to go to. Um, And he was at the ADSA Discover Conference where they were talking a lot about cabs. And I would say the the one subject on there that we probably got the most hung up on or spent the most time talking about was housing and and specifically pair housing, um, a little bit on the group housing side and that. And so we just wanted to take the opportunity to dive into that a little bit deeper and, and get the matter-of-fact opinions and thoughts of one Dr. Bradley J. Hines. The the pair housing is a big thing, group housing huge. In practice, I saw some of both, but almost all of my clients were still using individual housing. So I think we're seeing a trend starting in the other direction. And like Bradley mentioned last week, there's going to be some requirements for some producers, uh, Organic Valley producers, to have at least pair housing. Uh, in 2023. So we figured we better dive into it. If it's something people are interested in, we better get some of the details in there. So let's start with pair housing, Bradley. Kind of remind everyone of the benefits of of pair housing and and why we look at pairs over individuals. You know, if we think about pair housing, it's pretty easy to start. That that's probably a benefit. You're just taking most people just take two calf hutches and put them together and make a little bit bigger fence around it so they can socialize and run in both hutches. And, you know, so most people already have the infrastructure already there to be able to do that. Now, if you have domes or something like that, it might be a little more difficult. They, they, they would probably work though, if you took the grain feeder out and everything, but it's pretty easy to start. And, you know, m- most people are doing it because of the socialization aspect of it. And that's where everybody's moving in the dairy industry. So one of the things I think about with pair housing, and and like you said, it's really easy to start, especially if you just take two hutches and put them together. What I see when that happens a lot is that calves love to cram into one hutch, which uh, is not quite enough space for for most calves. We're doing pair housing out here in part of our research. And you see that quite often, actually, that the two calves are in the same hutch. And when they're getting close to weaning at 250 pounds, there is not much room left in that calf hutch for both of them. So, but they, they cram in there, especially during the winter. Um, they're all together. Well, I think they like to be with their buddy. And also, especially in winter, it, you know, helps keep them warm, shared body heat and 
And if they're especially crammed into the hutch, you know, imagine how nice and warm it must get in there. From a cold stress standpoint, it makes a lot of sense. Cold stress makes sense. The big thing is they, the bedding is hard to keep up with. Now you've taken two calves and then put them in half as much space. And uh, at least what I've seen, they tend to use the same hutch, regardless of the condition of the bed bedding. Even if the other hutch has nice, clean, dry bedding, a lot of times they're used to going in one or the other and they stick to the one, even if it's all muddy. So it can be a bedding issue as well. Do you see that, Brad? Yeah, we once in a while we'll see that where we're we're tending to bed the same calf hutch all the time because that's the one that they typically go into. Yeah, there, you might have to bed more often depending on, you know, two calves making a mess in one hutch. That may be a challenge for pair housing. We got into a little bit last week that it's, it's really good for their social development behavior. Pair housing is that way. What we didn't talk about last week was any benefit to production. So what do we see there, Bradley? What do we see with pair housing versus individuals? Well, if you think about it from a growth standpoint, you know, our colleagues at, at uh, Minnesota in the vet school, Whitney Knauer, she found that calves had better growth rates. Uh, was it 34 pounds uh, more at, at weaning? Uh, compared to those calves that were individually housed. So they found a little bit greater, you know, weight gain. We haven't necessarily found that here in Morris yet. We we get adequate gains, you know, we're getting two and a quarter pounds per day. So there's nothing wrong with that at all. Uh, I think it just depends on the farm, a lot of weather conditions, you name it, what it might be, how, how much milk you feed them uh, to see how much growth you can get out of them. But some studies have shown excellent growth and some are, are the same as an individual one. Yeah, that study, just to clarify from Whitney, showed 15 pounds more growth in the paired calves than the individual calves. Bradley messed up. We better keep that in. We, we Bradley can keep messed it in. up. We'll Once in a in. while. We'll keep Once it in. in a while. Okay, 15 pounds more in the paired calves is what Whitney saw, uh, which is a big deal. That's a, that's a third pound per day more. Uh, for those calves. So that could be a big deal. Like Bradley said, that's not always the case with what people find and what they see in those studies. But we are showing some potential benefits to production uh, with paired housing. We mentioned it last week too, consumer acceptance is a huge piece of this as well. Visually, paired housing looks excellent for the dairy industry uh, and consumers absolutely love it. Absolutely love it. And that, that's been some work done by colleagues here at Minnesota to look at that, Bradley's been involved in some of that work as well. It's a big deal on that side. I think we men mentioned that last week as well. One thing that people always think about is cross-sucking, and we kind of talked about that last week. And, you know, if, if you feed the calves enough, enough milk and have grain and water available at all, at all times, I don't think there's much uh, cross-sucking going on at all uh, if you sort of manage it right. Now, we there, there could be some, there's no doubt about it, but there's ways to take care of it. But I, I think if you feed them enough, uh, or, you know, one thing that we do is sometimes you just leave the bucket, then, you know, we feed with a nipple bucket and uh, a peach teat uh, nipple bucket, and we leave it in there for maybe an hour afterwards. So if the calves are wanting to suck on something, they're going to probably go uh, suck on the nipple bucket that we use to dispense milk instead of maybe sucking on each other. So that's 
maybe one thing that people can do uh, to help alleviate sort of cross-sucking. We, we also think about labor. You know, there's a question about labor. Does it save any labor? And I think the, the jury is still out there on whether paired housing will save labor or not. In my opinion, and based on, you know, me feeding calves and, and watching it happen here is we might not save a lot on labor because we're still feeding two calves individually. They're just happen to be together. So you still have all of that labor to, you know, feed those calves individually instead of, you know, a group of five or 10 or 15, which probably reduces some labor. I don't think there's going to be much labor savings from pair housing compared to individual housing. And that makes sense to me. And I think that that's a good, good segue into talking about group housing. Oh, I'm sorry, we can't go there yet. We've skipped over some of the details of paired housing, some of the major things that are super important. One of the things that we didn't really mention last week, we haven't mentioned yet today is when do you pair them? At what age do you pair these calves up? Maybe we mentioned it last week, but to be clear, it, it's not something you can do late, right? It can't be happening four or five, five weeks of age. Right. You probably want to keep those calves within seven to 10 days of age. You know, we probably don't go more than about three to four here uh, just to keep them all in the, that same age range. Otherwise, you got, you know, a big calf and a small calf and they're going to pick on each other and steal milk and all kinds of aspects. So keeping them with, within a week, I would recommend. I think you'll do just fine. Any more than a week, you might have to start a new pair. So Bradley, I'm curious, as, as we think about the always present overarching theme of the Moves Room and every episode, management, are there any, you know, major or even minor management practice differences that you've noticed with paired housing versus, we'll just say individual housing for now, between those two, you know, what, what might be some different management pieces or some something else you need to think to look for or something like that? Well, I, you know, there, there's probably not much difference between individual housing. One of the things that comes along with it, and this can be for group housing as well, is if you're using a bottle or a nipple bucket or something and you dump milk in there, you're going to have two calves running towards that bottle or bucket right away. So, you you got to be fast to be able to have the other one there, or you're going to have to fight one calf off and they're going to steal and, and all kinds of stuff. So it can be, if you're not ready to take care of that right away, it can be an issue that some people might not like. And But otherwise, as far as management, there is, in my mind, not much different than individual. You have a little bit bigger fence to, to confine them which can be an issue if you have to purchase some new fencing or I took some panels and just cut them up and, and made them work, but it can be a challenge. Um, otherwise, you know, you have two grain buckets, two water buckets. It's really the same thing outside of maybe having to bed one of the hutches more than the other. But I, I, I tend to think the management is, is about the same. Yeah, one thing I think of it that I saw when we were looking at groups and or individuals is trying to figure out how do you know who ate and who didn't. Uh, so that's the same with the groups like Bradley was kind of alluding to. When you have individual pens, you drop a bottle in or you you fill up a bucket and you just keep going. You don't have to observe much because you can look back and see who drank and who didn't. 
So there's a little bit of a management change there for me where you have to actually watch the calves and be a little better at picking up on slight behavioral changes or posture changes in those calves in a group pen or paired housing to, to be able to see who, who is actually eating, who's just coming up and standing with everybody and not actually eating. You got to be able to, to be a little more observant and have the time to, to, to watch uh, those kind of things happen so that you don't miss a sick calf in there. Yeah, you always got to watch the calves, no matter individual group housing, pair housing, to, just to make sure they're healthy and, and doing well. You know, it, there's no way to make things easier that way. You, you just got to watch them. You can't replace observation. You cannot. You are correct. Not even with a sensor, Bradley. You cannot even do it with a sensor. I feel like that's that's a pretty pivotal announcement out out from from Brad. I have some sensors on them, so I'm trying. I'm trying. <laughs> I'm trying. Okay, uh, let's talk about group housing. And so, like Bradley said, maybe the labor savings comes from stepping it up another level and going straight to group housing. So, so Brad, can you just walk us through when you have group housing? How do you make it work? We talked about how uh, with Paired calves, we want them paired within a week, a uh, week old, and, and that's otherwise you start a new pair. But how does it work with groups? With groups, if you think about pairing calves together or grouping them together, I kind of follow the same thumb rule, seven to 10 days. I like to keep it under seven, you know, maybe go a little bit longer, but less than 10. Uh, so you, you've otherwise you're going to have probably bigger issues than a pair housing if you have the oldest calf and the youngest calf, you know, two weeks apart, that can be a problem in a group housing situation, especially when you wean them, you know, you, you want to wean them all together. So you don't want one calf that's maybe two weeks older than the others. So, you know, seven days, I would stick with that thumb rule as well for group housing. Does that change a little bit as you get into an automatic feeder? Because you can individually make uh, weaning plans for calves and identify them in the computer? Yeah, it, it may be a little bit different in an auto feeder. I think you might be able to get away with two weeks, sometimes maybe fudge to three weeks, but I wouldn't go any more than that. That three weeks is really pushing it in an auto feeder. Two weeks you could probably get away with, but I would caution going any more than that. You see, you still have the problem, you know, like an auto feeder, you get young calf going into the stall, the big calf's going to come in and push it out and, and try and steal the milk, even though it won't be allowed to. So it, it's a problem. You know, there's bully calves. That's just what happens. Yeah. And, and as far as disease goes, that's what we want to avoid is having older calves and younger calves together. Two weeks is a long time. That oldest calf is is kind of exiting some of the, the danger zone when it comes to scours, and that brand new calf is just starting that. And there's a lot of disease transfer that could happen there. So yeah, as tight of windows as you can. So I think I think about this with, you know, Bradley has a unique opportunity in some ways because he seasonally calves. So he doesn't have a ton of calves up at Morris, but all his calves come pretty quick. The size of the dairy, how many calves you have in a week. Uh, can really dictate what you want to do. Group housing might not be for you because you don't have enough calves that quickly to to make it work. But pair housing might work. Uh, otherwise, you know, individual might be the way to go because you just don't have enough calves coming in in a short time frame. 
we're lucky that we have everything in a two month time period so we can have big groups. Um, you know, if, if you're probably a hundred, 120 cows, you might be able to get away with having groups of five to 10. Um, you know, if you're less than that number of cows, pair housing might be the best option for, for grouping them because you just don't have enough cows calving at that time to, to have a, a big group. For me, I, I think 10 is not enough in a group. I'm looking for 15 to 20 just because of labor savings. Mm -hmm. You know what? Long time ago, when I first started here, I did a study on looking at five calves versus 10 calves, and I didn't find any difference. I found that if you look at it from a labor perspective, it takes more labor when you got five calves in a group than 10 calves. So I'm all for 10. That that's kind of where we settle at here is ten calves per group and and Bradley's sad they're not bigger correct <laughs> yeah and I think that that's you know important too what you're saying Brad about keeping the age groups close and and letting your calving seasons if you, if you do go seasonal letting that help you make this decision in in what style of housing is going to work best for your calves. Because as we mentioned, with with those bigger calves, if they are being bullying, then we could be looking at smaller calves. First and foremost, not getting all of their milk or other feed. Second, increased stress on the smaller calves, which we know can impact immune systems. And so it's, yeah, really important to, you know, not just go, oh, well, Bradley told me that I should have groups of 20 calves. And you have a one month age range, um, that's that's not going to work for your farm and it's going to cause more problems. So it's important that that we note figuring out what's going to fit for your system. I agree. And, and we have enough calves where we can make 10 work, but I've, I've seen a lot of farms uh, do five. And if you're thinking about group housing, by no means should you just all of a sudden have 10 calves or 15 calves in a group. It will be a mess for you and you won't be able to figure it out and it'll be a bust ease into it slowly. That's where you would start with maybe five calves in a group if you're able to do that. Because they make nice group feeders with that are five, you know, five nipples on there that work out quite well. So start slow, you know, don't get too crazy. I'm the crazy one and I'll, I'll figure those out when I want to put 20 calves in a group and figure out how to feed them. But I would start out slow first. We need to cover with group housing, with pair housing, how much space these calves need. That is one of the main things that we need to, to work on. You know, when we, we talk about adding hutches together, we've just doubled the space, which seems to work just great. When we start talking about having five calves in the pen, the pen has to be big enough for all five of those calves to be there. So what are you looking at for space, Brad? So you would like to see 30 to 40 square feet per calf, I think. The, the more, the better, obviously, to be able to group house. For our calves, we have about uh, 30 feet by 40 feet is our where we put 10 calves in. I don't, you can figure out what the square footage of that is. I don't know what it is. I don't, I don't, <laughs> my math skills are not on today. Uh, How did but, you get a PhD? <laughs> exactly. That's 120 feet per calf, Bradley. Yeah, well, that's a lot. That's for 20 calves. That's for so, 20 calves? That's for 20 calves. Oh, okay. Sorry. So, it's 60 square feet then. Because I divided square by feet. 10. Yeah, still yeah. a lot. Still a lot. What's up, everybody? This is Dr. Joe Armstrong. If you're confused right now, I was also confused. So I've got it figured out now. 
Bradley was talking about a 30 by 40 foot space where he keeps 10 calves. In reality, he has a 30 by 40 foot space where he keeps 20 calves and it's split in the middle into two groups of 10. I hope that clarifies things. I was confused at the time, so hopefully you're not confused anymore either. Let's get back to it. Yeah, so we're running 60 square feet per calf in our, ours that are outdoors. Now that's, we allow them to go outdoors. You know, they go indoors where, where we have deep bedded straw and then they can come outside where we have a feed bunk and a water. So, you know, um, the, the more space, the better. Um, it just makes for, uh, we, when you're weaning, uh, 10 calves in a group that are 250 pounds each, you need some space. You, you need a lot of space. Yeah. And I, I mean, that makes sense. If, for me, if you're going to have 60 square feet total, that would be 30 outside and 30 inside. And that, and at some point they're all going to be outside or they're all going to be inside, especially when the weather's not great. So I think that still hits our minimum of 30 square feet per calf for that, that setup. When we talk about weaning a group, we always wean based on the last calf that we put in the group. So if you have seven to 10 days of spread in age, you want to wean at, you know, say nine weeks, that nine weeks is the last calf that you put in there. So one calf is going to be nine weeks and the other one, maybe 10 weeks or a little more than 10 weeks. So you're going to, you're going to have that, but you want to do an all in all out. You don't want to just cherry pick calves off at the time you want to, wean them all at the same time. So that that's my suggestion is wean it based off the age of the last calf that you've put in there. And that's where I think you can see a lot of labor savings too. I agree. I agree. All right. All in, all out. Steal that from the poultry and the pig guys. And that's the way to go when it comes to biosecurity. We said 30 to 40 square feet per calf. If you're going to have indoor outdoor space, Make sure you have at least 30 square feet in both spaces for, for each calf or all the calves in that group. Um, potential labor savings when it comes to group housing, maybe not so much labor savings when it comes to paired housing over individual housing. Potential production benefits because of the social aspect of this uh, for paired housing and group housing over individuals. Pair them early. Uh, and put them in groups early, try to get those ages as close together under a week is what we're aiming for. Does that seem like a fair summary? Yeah. All right. Let's wrap it there. Emily, since you're better at the plugs, it's time for you to do the plugs. All right. Wonderful. So if you have questions, concerns, scathing rebuttal, you can email those to themoosroom at umn.edu. That's T-H-E-M-O-O-S-R-O-O-M at umn.edu. You can find us on Twitter at UMN Newsroom and at UMN Farm Safety. And be sure to visit our website, extension.umn.edu. Bye. Bye. Bye.